0: Everybody, doing well? I need this. I need this. Don't you need this right here when we get together? Don't you need this? I need this. We're in such an isolated world now with all this going on. Have you heard of anything going on in the world lately? With everything going on in the world, we are uh, becoming so isolated that I need this time together, right? We don't see people enough and get out enough. We need this. And I want you to know, Whatever happens out there, we're going to do everything humanly possible to keep on meeting right here and to keep providing this time together because we need this. Amen. Amen. Now, we start a new series today, just a two-week series, so it's going to be short, so don't blink or you're going to miss it. It's called Outsiders. We're going to do this for this week and for next weekend. Then the weekend after that, we're going to have so much fun. Uh, We're having a Bilingual service with our Hispanic church. We're all going to be here together. Pastor Joel and I are going to preach in English and Spanish. That's going to be funny. It always is. We always make mistakes, so it's always really good. And then we're having baptisms on that day, and we're going to celebrate baptisms like crazy on that day like we never had before. So you don't want to miss uh, any of these Sundays, but you don't want to miss uh, two weeks from today when we celebrate our bilingual service. But today, we, the first of two messages on outsiders. Have you ever, just be honest with me this morning, we need to, we need to be honest. Have you ever just felt like you didn't fit in? Anybody, can I see your hands if you just ever felt like I just don't fit in? Somehow, I, I just I, I don't seem to feel like I'm a part of the group. I think a lot of us struggle with that. People look at me and my wife and they think we're big-time extroverts, you know, because they see us around upward, talking to everybody, shaking hands, loving on people. And I guess uh, we may have the appearance of being extroverts, but uh, I'm truly, truly, truly an introvert. I, I really, you may not believe this, but I don't love to talk to people in new situations. Now here, I'm at home, I'm comfortable, but if I go into a new situation, I, have tru- I really have a struggle feeling like I fit in. Any- anybody other than me, uh, my-, my kids, uh, they went to a wonderful school growing up, and every year they started the year with this school picnic for everybody to get together and meet everybody and my wife and I would go, and have you ever been in a place where you just like, uh, uh, I don't know who to talk to, I don't know anybody here? Well, especially when we were new, you know, it just felt so uncomfortable. I, I think a lot of people, in, in my 20-some years of ministry, I think a lot of people, I know a lot of people struggle with insecurity and, and a sense of belonging. As I minister to people over the years, I find out that a whole lot of their struggles can be traced back to just the sense of, I don't really fit in anywhere. I had a guy put it this way to me one time, and it was the most powerful expression of this I've ever heard. He said, everywhere I go, I always feel like I'm on the outside, and I'm looking through the window at what everybody else is doing. It's like I'm out in the yard, and they're apart, and I'm just staring in that I don't really fit in. Jesus was so powerful that he attracted outsiders to himself like crazy. He was also attracted to outsiders. I think Jesus would have been pretty tough to hang out with, to be honest with you. I think there would have been some things about him that were difficult... I think I had a friend once, and we would go out on the streets in Bible college and tell people about Jesus. And I hated to go with him because everywhere we would go, he would find the roughest, toughest, meanest-looking guy in the place. And he would go right up to him and start telling him about Jesus. And I was more inclined to find a sweet little old lady and share my faith with her but he would find the meanest-looking person in the room. And everywhere we went, his name was Mike, and I said, oh, goodness, we'd go, and I know where he's going. He's going straight to that person. I get the feeling the disciples probably felt that way about Jesus. Jesus would find the most rejected, the most marginalized, the most hated, the most awkward person in any community. He would find the most awkward person in town, And he would strike up a conversation with them. He went to a town one time and there's a tax collector who nobody liked. Everybody hated the tax collector. If you work for the IRS, you could probably sympathize with this guy. Nobody loves it when you tell them what you do. His name was Zacchaeus. He was a short little man, and he wanted to see Jesus so badly, he climbed up in a tree to see Jesus, thinking Jesus would pass by. Jesus does what he always does. He stops at the tree and says, what in the world are you doing up there? Come down, and I'm coming to dinner at your house today. And the whole town freaks out. Do you know who that is? What are you doing, Jesus, messing with that person? That's just who Jesus was. Now we're looking in this series at two stories in the book of Matthew, and Matthew's biography of Jesus, the first four books in the New Testament, are like biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, I, I said this the other day, all we need to do at church is once we hire somebody named Mark, we will have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John on our staff. So if you're looking for a ministry job, if your name is Mark, you're ahead of the curve, all right? You're, you've got a foot up on the rest of them. We're going to have all four Gospels here. And then Andy, where does that fit in? I don't know. Um, Matthew's biography of Jesus, they're all different. They're written by different people at different educational levels, at different uh, cultural outlooks. They're written to different audiences. And each gospel, if you read it carefully, has a different message. The book of Matthew is very, very jewish The book of Matthew is written in a high level of really educated Greek. If you study Matthew with any depth, you'll find out that he was highly intelligent. He was highly detailed. He made sure of everything fit just perfectly into his gospel. It's highly ordered. It's a beautiful book. But it's written to really educated Jewish people. And the purpose of Matthew is to tell them that the guy promised in the Old Testament is Jesus. Over and over again, Matthew says, if you read Matthew long enough, you say, what is he? Every time you turn around, Matthew's saying, this was done in order to fulfill this scripture. So it's an extremely Jewish book. But the interesting thing is that Matthew, all throughout the book, also included Gentiles that came to Jesus. At the very start of it, he talks about the Magi. These are the wise men who come from the Far East. These are the ultimate outsiders, and they're there at the very beginning of the story. Matthew tells a story that we're going to talk about today of a Roman centurion who came to Jesus. Next week, we're going to talk about a Canaanite woman who came to Jesus. And then Matthew ends his gospel by Jesus saying, Go into all the world and preach the gospel in in all nations. Go everywhere. What Matthew is saying is, yes, this book is written primarily to, to the Jews, but don't you forget that Jesus loves the outsiders. Jesus loves the marginalized. Jesus loves the awkward. Anybody ever been awkward? Go back through the photo album. As I look back through my life, I think everybody in 1975 was awkward. And thank God I was too young to have a leisure suit. (laughs) If you're a child of the 80s, you ever look back in the 80s and see the big hair that the girls had? It's okay. We've all been awkward at one time or another, but Jesus loves the awkward. The outsider. Today we're going to walk through the story of a Roman centurion and let God speak to us today. Matthew 8 5 says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came. And pleaded with him. This is a Roman soldier. Now, Capernaum was Jesus' home base from which he did ministry. He would go out and often come back to Capernaum. And apparently in Capernaum, there was a, a station of Roman soldiers there. This man, the scripture tells us, was a centurion. If you want to learn a little bit about the Roman army, centurion, there's a reason for that. The cent, the, uh, the prefix on that means that this man and all centurions were in charge of about a hundred soldiers. Now, if you're interested in the Roman army, anybody interested in the Roman army? Anybody seen Gladiator? Ten groups of centurions and their soldiers formed a cohort. Ten cohorts formed a legion. So you know something about the Roman army today. Even if you didn't want to learn anything, you did this morning. Roman centurions also were often sons of Roman senators. This was a position where if you had influence and you wanted your son to start out with some high position, they would often put them in as centurions. So a lot of the centurions, they were men of authority over at least a hundred people and then they often had a, a background and some a great standing. This particular man is also mentioned in the book of Luke. And the Bible tells us he was a generous man for he had contributed to the building of a Jewish synagogue. So he had a friendly relationship with the Jews, which was very uncommon between Romans and Jews. So this was a man who was seen as an outsider to the Jews, yet a man who seems to have a good heart and a friendly disposition towards the Jews. I want to tell you, Three things about this man. Number one, he demonstrated humility. He demonstrated what? Humility. The world could use a little more humility right now. Can I hear an amen? This is what he said to Jesus. Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. He called him Lord. Roman soldiers did not normally speak to Jews with humility. They normally told Jews what to do. By law, a Roman soldier could compel a Jew to carry his belongings for a long way, and it, the Jew had to do it by law. They treated them like servants, but this man came to Jesus. Apparently, he'd heard something about Jesus. Apparently, you're going to see later, his mind had been transformed to think about Jesus as the Son of God. He comes to him and says, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed, paralyzed, His servant, the the Greek word for paralyzed is a type of paralysis that had no human solution. He'd come to the end of his rope and he came to Jesus in humility. The interesting thing about this man as well is that many people came to Jesus asking for prayer and miracles for their children. This is the only recorded instance of someone coming to ask prayer for a servant. That says something about his heart. He cared for those who worked for him, and he wanted to see this young man healed. So he came to Jesus in humility. He didn't come in arrogance. And then in Matthew 8, 7, this is just how Jesus is. Jesus said, I'm on the way. Do I need to walk out and come back in again? And maybe y'all will perk up. Any of you have friends that you can call them and their answer is, I'm on the way? You have friends like that? I've got a bunch of them and some of y'all are sitting out here right now and I just love that. I know there are a ton of y'all that if I had a problem I could call and say, y'all would say, I'm there. If I broke down on the side of the road, you'd be there. If I got sick, you'd be there, right? And I can say that for you too. I love having friends that just say, I'm on the way. I love being a friend that when somebody calls and they have a need, you don't just say, I'll pray for you. You say, I'll be there. That's the kind of Jesus you serve today. That's the kind of Jesus we lift up and exalt today. It's a Jesus who says, I will come and heal him. He didn't think about the fact that he was a Roman. He simply said, I'm on the way, because he was a friend of the outsiders. Now understand, Jesus took some heat for loving the wrong kinds of people. The Jews had thought for centuries that their Messiah was going to come and kick Roman's tail. Boom. That was their hope. That was their prayer. When the Messiah comes, he's going to deliver us from this oppressive yoke of the Romans. He's going to set us free. He's going to wipe up the carpet with the Romans. And then Jesus comes and he loves and serves a Roman soldier. Don't you imagine not everybody like that? I think if we follow Jesus, we probably ought to be like him. I think if we follow Jesus, we're going to be more like him. And I think if you're following Jesus once in a while, you ought to get accused of hanging out with the wrong kind of person. Say, well, I've got a reputation to protect. Jesus didn't. The word says he made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a bondservant. He didn't really care about what people thought. He just saw people that were in need. And he reached out to them and loved them. He said, I'm coming. I will be at your house. I'm going to heal him. There was no no, uh, uncertainty at all in what he said. I'm on the way. But listen to the humility of the officer. said. But the officer said, verse 8, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Outsiders often feel that way. Outsiders often feel that they're not worthy of anyone else's attention. This man had an extreme humility before Jesus. Now, here's another thing he was doing. See, the Jewish customs of the day were this. This was not God's law, but this was the Jewish tradition. You know, it's possible, church, to build up our own rules on top of the Bible. Can I get an amen? Many times, the rules we build up on top of the Bible keep people away rather than bringing them in the rules we put on top of the Bible just become more of a burden to people? I believe it was Peter who told the uh, Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, he said, listen guys, you're trying to get them to keep a bunch of rules. We couldn't even keep ourselves. Church, I would say to you sometimes we're, oh goodness, we're putting burdens on people when we had not totally got our stuff straightened out yet. Can I get an amen? The rule of the day was this. If a Jew, which Jesus was, went into the home of a Gentile, he was considered then unclean. So by the Jewish traditions, Jesus was not supposed to go in this man's house. And guess what the man did? The Roman officer recognized recognized that he would have made Jesus ceremonially unclean. And he didn't want to put Jesus in an awkward position. I love that. We need more people like that in the world today who don't put everybody in awkward positions with all of their opinions. Can I get an amen this morning? Guys, we need to be gentlemen that represent Jesus well. I just want my life to represent Him well. I haven't always lived up to that. Heard a lady tell a story just recently on social media. She bought her one of these Binge Jesus shirts. Comes from The Chosen. If you haven't watched The Chosen, you need to watch The Chosen. Thus said the Lord, watch The Chosen. <laughs> you get a binge, they, they sell this shirt, Binge Jesus, watch it. And uh, she wore this shirt, and then she got in line at the grocery store, and there was this Couple who could not pay for, who couldn't figure out how to pay, and then the cashier was all messed up, and she had ice cream melting in the car, and she started to get a little attitude. Then she looked down on her shirt. And, I want to represent him well. I don't want my attitudes to bring any shame or discredit to his cause. I don't want my opinions. To pit me against other people. Okay, I'm going to just stop here and I'm going to take everybody off. You ready for this? Everybody ready? Both extremes going to get ticked off at Pastor Andy today. But I'm going on vacation. (laughs) When I say amen, second service, I'm out of here. So I'm just going to light the fuse and drop it and I'm going to the beach. Good luck, Greg. I'm going to tell you how I feel about masks and vaccines. Here's what you do. You ready? Boy, some of you just sat up and got on the edge of your seats. You're like, I'm ready. Here's what you do. You pray about your decision. You research your decision. You ask wise people. You make up your mind what's right for you. You do it. And leave everybody else alone. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm free. I'm free. <laughs> I got I to research this thing out and seek good counsel and pray about it. And I've got to do the right thing but I'm not going to become an evangelist for all my opinions. I want to stay an evangelist for Jesus Christ and His kingdom. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. You can be a gentleman about things. And this Roman officer was. He's saying, Jesus, I don't want to bring you in an awkward position. And he says something even more amazing. He said, you don't even have to come. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. Wow. Not only did he demonstrate humility, he recognized authority. He said, Jesus, you don't even have to be there. You don't have to show up. I don't even have to get you on a Zoom call, Jesus. You don't have to be anywhere in the vicinity. If you speak the word, my servant will be healed right then. How did he figure this out? How did this guy understand this? Number one, I believe he had heard Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount was preached nearby Capernaum not long before this happened. And there were tons of people there. And I get a feeling this guy could have heard the Sermon on the Mount. The other thing that happened that I believe it's John that tells us is in Capernaum prior to this man's miracle, there was a government official who had a child that was sick that Jesus healed. So I think this Roman officer could have heard Jesus preached, or he could have heard of one of Jesus' miracles, but something convinced him that this guy was the real deal, that this guy was the Son of God. And he said, I don't even need you to come to the house. He said, verse 9 tells us where he got this from, he understood authority. When you need healing, you need to understand authority. Authority he said this, he said, I know this because I'm under. He said, I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers. This is the deal about authority. Before you're over, you got to be under. You can't take authority over much until you put yourself under the authority that's over you. In other words, don't go out there and try to cast devils out of a person if you haven't submitted your life to Jesus. A bunch of guys in the book of Acts did that. you remember that? Read your Bible. A bunch of guys in the book of Acts said, Hey, we saw Paul cast out a demon in Jesus' name. We're going to go do it too. And there were seven of them. And they went into this guy and they said, We command you by the Jesus that Paul preaches, come out. Don't do that. When you go up against a demon... You better be taking your Jesus, not somebody else's. And you better have a Jesus that you're under his authority. Because you can't exercise authority until you come under authority. And we love to exercise. We don't like to come under it. This guy said, the first thing I understand is I have superior officers. And when they tell me to do something, I do it. And he said, now, because of that, I have authority over my soldiers. And I say, go and they go. Or come and they come. And when I say do this, they do it. That's what authority is. How many here have been in the military? Can I see your hands? Military service all over this building. Can we give a big hand of appreciation to our military? Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. We're extremely pro-military pro first responders and law enforcement here at Upward we love our servants so much and honor them in a world that doesn't honor them many times you military folks understand all my family was in the military my dad told me about boot camp my dad thinks the solution to the world's problems is that every young man in the United States should go through basic training My dad says, if every young man in the United States had to go through basic training, it would be a better country. I said, what was it like, Dad? He said, lots of yelling. They yell. They don't tone it down. They're in your face. I knew a guy once that was a drill sergeant. I said, what's with all the yelling? He said, here's why we yell. We have to teach instant obedience. And he said, the reason we teach instant obedience is when we're in combat, if I say hit the deck, everybody that says, huh, is dead. So we yell to teach people to do what they're told to do without question every time for it saves everybody's life. Instant obedience. Man, when we get to that place with Jesus Christ, when He says something and we just do it, when He says don't and we don't, and He says do and we do, when we get to that place, we're going to turn the world upside down. When the church gets to a place of just instant obedience to Jesus, the world is never going to be the same when those people get out in it. Because when you're at that place of authority, you have authority. When you're under his authority, you have authority in your world. But I love what this man says. The reason I know Jesus is this. I understand authority and I recognize that you have it. I recognize that you're in control. That is something that I believe God is saying to us right here today. As much as anything he's saying to us. He's talking to us about outsiders. But I think God is saying this. Church, have you forgotten that I'm in control? Have you forgotten that I can speak the word and things have to change? Do You understand, friends, here today, we serve a God who said, let there be light, and there was light. We serve a Jesus who was in the middle of the boat with his disciples in a storm. By the way, after the bilingual service, we've totally changed everything up. God's given us a series called How to Sail Through Stormy Weather. And we're going to sail through some stormy weather together after that, okay? We're going to do five weeks of that, and we're going to learn how to sail through a storm and be victorious. Jesus is in the boat with the disciples. Storm comes up. Jesus takes a nap. It's the other thing about Jesus. Every time you needed him, he's asleep. (laughs) Or he's off praying. Every time we need him, somebody's got to go find him, and half the time they're waking him up. I love the shirt that I saw recently said, Be like Jesus, Jesus took naps. (laughs) You ever been in a storm and it seemed like Jesus was asleep? Tell you why he's not afraid of it. Jesus got up; they woke him up. He gets up, yawning probably, and he looks at the storm and he said, "Peace, be still," and the storm stopped. And the disciples said, one of the beautiful verses in scripture said, "What ma- King James? What manner of man is this that even the winds and sea obey him?" You have put your life in the hands of the man that the winds and sea obey. You don't need to let a crisis scare you. You don't need to let a virus scare you. You don't need to let economic turmoil and rumors of war scare you. You've placed your life in the one that holds the world in his hands. And he's going to take care of you. Amen. 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 This man demonstrated humility. This man recognized Jesus' authority. And he's saying, Jesus, your authority is worldwide. Now, said, when Jesus heard this, his jaw dropped. That's the Andy version. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Jesus is like... Can you guys believe that? I think he raised his voice. There's an exclamation point here, so yes, he raised his voice. He said, I'll tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. None of you people talk like this guy. He's a Roman, for goodness sakes. I don't know if Jesus would have said, for goodness sakes, that's me. He's a Roman, guys. And in all of Israel, nobody's had faith like this. Everybody else, nobody else said, Jesus, we don't even have to come to you. Just speak the word. Think of the crew that brought that guy on the mat. They worked really hard to get him in the room with Jesus, right? You know the paralytic that was on the mat? He's got four friends, one on each corner. They're carrying the guy. There's no room to get in the house. They get up on top of the house and tear the roof off. They literally rip the ceiling out of the house and lower him down. How do you think those guys felt when they saw this? We didn't have to go through any of that. We didn't have to carry in there. We didn't have to tear up the... There's some evidence that that house was one of the disciples' houses. And they're probably standing around thinking, Yeah, that roof repair, none of that needed to happen. If they'd only had the faith to believe, Jesus, we don't have to bring him here. He's back at home. Speak the word and he'll be healed. Jesus said, I haven't seen faith like that in all Israel." What, who amazed Jesus? wasn't a priest, wasn't a Pharisee, wasn't a rabbi, wasn't even a Jew. The man who amazed Jesus more than anybody else was a Roman officer who simply demonstrated humility and recognized Jesus' incredible authority. The only other time this word amazed is used of Jesus is when he went to his own hometown. Jesus went to Nazareth and they said, you're the hometown boy, we don't believe in you. And it said Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. Jesus got amazed at extreme faith and extreme unbelief. That's the thing that moves God's heart more than anything else, is when we just trust Him. When we just trust Him. Then Jesus told a story about the future, and I'm winding down. He said, I tell you this many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. When we get to heaven, there's a dinner. I love being a Christian. There's a dinner in heaven when we get there. You ever been to a big dinner? I don't think, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to say something that offends y'all. Some of you, maybe. You ever been to a big old southern dinner? Any of y'all seen that picture on the internet of uh, what the Last Supper would have looked like if they'd put a bunch of southern women in charge? It's like the table is three times as big. There's always deviled eggs. Any church people in here? If you've been to church long, you've eaten more deviled eggs than any human being should. There's going to be a dinner in heaven. We don't even know the foods that are going to be there. I like to believe there'll be grits and cheer wine there because I'm from North Carolina. But, uh, but we don't even know the good stuff that God's got prepared. But what Jesus is saying is, guys, many people who are considered outsiders are going to be sitting at the table with you in the kingdom of heaven. And some of you who thought you had a ticket by being an insider are going to miss out. Many of those who consider themselves outcast and awkward are going to sit down with us. You're going to be surprised at some of the people that are in heaven. I just wonder if we're going to be walking down streets of gold saying, can you believe he made it? I don't know that God's (laughs) going to let us do that. God probably will not let us do that. But (laughs) can you believe they're here? And guess what? If it's allowed, somebody's going to be saying that about you too. Amen. He demonstrated humility. He recognized Jesus' authority. But lastly, and I'm closing, he received God's remedy. Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home. Because you believed, it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. Jesus simply spoke the word and the man was healed. What's God saying to us today? Number one, outsiders matter to Jesus. There's people out there that you don't agree with that make you mad. Anybody? Anybody know anybody out there you don't agree with? Do they make you mad? you totally not understand where they're coming from they matter to jesus and they need to matter to us too approach them with humility i got just a minute just because you're a christian doesn't mean you're right about everything just because you're a christian doesn't mean you know everything Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean everybody wants to listen to you. Walk in humility like this Roman officer did. Secondly, God's saying to us, Jesus has everything under control. Put yourself under His authority. Is there anything in your life that's not under His authority? You know, when you're little, Anybody little and you at night, you want to get under the covers? Because monsters come around. When I was little, if I thought there was a monster in the room, I'd cover up. And if I had a foot sticking out from under the covers, I'd pull it in. Because monsters cannot get through covers. I'm sorry, but God gives me some crazy pictures from time to time. Is everything under God's authority in your life? The part of your life still sticking out. If it is, it's unprotected. God's calling us today to trust Him. And that means put everything in your life under His authority and say, Jesus, you're the Lord over this part of my life. I've given you many things, but Lord, this part of my life, you know, is still unprotected. It's still not under your control. Jesus, I'm bringing that under cover today. I'm trusting your authority completely. And lastly, understand this. God's saying to us, faith moves his heart. Receive Jesus' remedy for your situation. Is there something you're going through that you really need to trust Him with? I said this probably last week, maybe. Who knows? But I was walking around the other day just struggling with something I was trying to deal with in my own life, and God said this to me. He said, I don't need your willpower. I need your surrender. Don't need you to fight this. I just need you to give it to me. Whatever you're dealing with today, Jesus is the remedy. He wants you to trust him. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you and thank you for this time today. Thank you for all these wonderful people who are here together. And Lord, I just ask you in Jesus' name, drive this message home to our hearts. To walk in humility. To trust your authority. and By faith, receive your remedy. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today, we're not here to embarrass anybody. We're not going to do that. But if you're here today and say, Pastor, watch it online today and say, Pastor, I want to say yes to Jesus today as my Savior and Lord. I want to say yes to Him. Can I see your hand right now? saying yes to Jesus. God bless you. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Nothing greater could happen saying yes to Jesus. Anybody else here today? Oh, Thursday night we had people saying yes to Jesus. I love it. Can anybody say, Pastor, there's something in my life that's Sticking out from undercover. There's something in my life that needs to be pulled in under Jesus' authority. And I'm surrendering to Jesus today. Can I see your hand right now? God bless you. God bless you. Others, God bless you. Can anybody say, Pastor, there's just a situation now that I really need to trust Jesus like I never have before with. And I'm giving that to Him today. Can I see your hands today? Amen. Amen. I want to pray with those saying yes to Jesus very simply come to Him and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent, Jesus. I turn to You. I give my life to You today, and I ask You to come in and change my heart. Do what I cannot do. That is, make me a new creature. Today, I trust You with my heart and my life and my everything. I'm Yours. I'll follow You. Amen, amen, amen. All right, ready to be blessed. Would you just lift your hands? I'm going to speak blessing. The blessing over this week, I really believe God gave it to me. It's the scripture that says, ask and you shall receive. And I asked the Lord about that and said, Lord, what does that mean? And the Lord said, hey, tell you people. Tell these people in this wonderful flock that there are things I want to give them. There are things I want to do. But I want them to ask me. I want them to ask me. So there's something out there God wants to do in your life. And He wants you to ask. He wants you to ask boldly. He wants you to ask with complete faith and trust. And as you ask Him and as you trust Him, He's going to bring some things to pass that are going to amaze you. I truly believe that. I speak that blessing over you ask and you shall receive. Now with the authority of Jesus Christ and in the power of His Holy Spirit, I commission you to go out into your world as soldiers of the cross, as soldiers of the kingdom, and witness Jesus. Show Jesus. Tell your story. Make Him known this week. Amen and amen. Love y'all. Thank you for being here today. See you next week. Come on back. It's going to be a great time. Love you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at UCF.CC or like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue The Upward Journey.